Welcome, coaches. This is Tony Schiffman, and you are listening to the Hog Football Podcast. The Hog Football Chat was created as a way for coaches to talk about all things football and all things offensive line, and we took off via Twitter. With the help of so many great sponsors, we were able to create an amazing network of our coaching community. Now we've decided to launch our first ever podcast series. Please don't forget to check out those amazing sponsors on Twitter. This podcast series is presented by Platform, an online strength and conditioning tool that partners with over 800 schools across the country. Go check out platform.com, that's P-L-T-4-M.com, for our full series and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. Don't forget to check out at Coach Schiffman on Twitter and use the hashtag HogFootballChat when you're there. We have a great episode for you today, so let's go ahead and kick this off. All right, coaches, welcome to another episode of the Hog Football Podcast. Today, I've got Coach Brady Gravold with me. Uh, Coach Gravold has recently been hired at the University of St. Thomas as their defensive line coach. Before that, he was one of the youngest head coaches in the state of Wisconsin at Fort Atkinson High School. Uh, And before that, he served three years at Sun Prairie High School, including a state finals appearance in 2017. Coach Gravold, how's it going? Good. How are you doing, Tony? I'm, I'm doing really good. Thanks for coming on. I'm sure you're a lot like all of us and trying to take up your time with, with clinics and podcasts and learning as much as possible. Yep. We're uh, attempting to make the best of a situation that's obviously impacting the U.S. and uh, just doing what we can. Good. Good man. Good man. So I'm not sure if a lot of people know this about you um, who actually follow you on Twitter, but you were a decent football player back in your heyday. I believe you were a two-time All-American at Wisconsin Whitewater as well as a two-time national champ. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. That's uh, that, that's pretty awesome. So, you know, kind of talking about that, one of the things I was curious about is, is obviously being an All-American is amazing. Being a national championship, national champion is, is, is top of the line. But what is one of your kind of favorite – football memories from University of Wisconsin-Whitewater that doesn't include a national championship? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I think from that experience, um, both being, you know, being an All-American, winning two national championships, product of having really good coaches and product of even having better teammates. So we had really good teammates there and really good people. I think one of my favorite memories was in 2014 when we were playing Wartburg in the third round of the playoffs and we were down 17 to start the fourth. And I remember thinking at that time I had a, my end of the, my capstone project to end uh, my history degree was due in December. And I had to deal with the teacher that if we had made a national championship, that that could get that pushed back through the end of January, February, just because I wouldn't have a ton of time. But if we did that, it was going to be due in December. And so I remember sitting there on the bench down 17, like, God, we got to win this game. <laughs> like, there's no hope if we don't win this game. Like, I'm never going to finish this 20-page project. Um, so we ended up coming back and winning that game and winning national championship before Coach Leipold and the rest of the staff went out to Buffalo. But they, I honestly, that's one of my favorite memories was just sitting there in the fourth quarter and just thinking, God, my whole educational career is about to go down the tubes if we don't come back and get this game and win this thing. So, I mean, there are a lot of good memories from Whitewater. It was just an unbelievable experience. That's awesome. Um, So you've been obviously being a part of those teams and and being a part of a a state finals team with Sun Prairie. What 
how important was was the offensive line to the success of those teams? Um, you know, obviously being national champs and getting to the state title. How, how important were the offensive linemen to those to those teams? Yeah, I mean, the offensive line is incredibly important. Starting at Whitewater, we had one of the best offensive lines in America year in and year out, and that's been the way for a long time. You know, Wisconsin being known for producing good old linemen, but we had an incredible group in the offensive line. And then when I was at Sun Prairie, a uh, hog football chat regular, and I have to give him a shout out. Mike Pogue is a Sun Prairie offensive line coach, and he does a phenomenal job coaching those guys and getting them to buy in. But I, I think it goes without saying that the offensive line, if you don't have an offensive line, no matter what level, you're going to be hurting. Right. And I think I think people outside the game of football understand that an offensive line is important, but I don't think they understand the intricacies and how detailed you have to be on the offensive line to make sure the operation goes well. Right. Yeah, it's it's sometimes overlooked that there are, you know, they just look at us as kind of big fat guys and expect us to just be in front of people, but there there are a lot of technical technical aspects to the position for sure. Well, and that's just it's, it's, as you get closer to the line of scrimmage, you know, obviously uh, the offensive line, defensive line being the closest to the uh, line of scrimmage, the amount of detail and technique and six-inch step versus that being a nine-inch step it's just it's there's so much incredible detail that the the naked eye doesn't see but someone that knows what they're looking for can pick that up and uh obviously evaluate it absolutely absolutely so one of the other questions that that people have been asking um i know they ask me quite a bit and, and they've been asking you quite a bit how has the transition been to uh, St. Thomas. Obviously, for those those that don't know, you you recently accepted a position there as a defensive line coach. Um, how has that transition been uh, over the last few months uh, in, in your new role? Yeah, it's been awesome. I think one of the things you know in that transition was looking for a really good fit. If it were to come about, I wasn't necessarily looking to make a move or hadn't applied anywhere. But when Coach Kuczynski said we had a we have an opening on our defense and he's a defensive coordinator. I think the world of the guy, I think he's one of the best defensive minds in the country, regardless of division. There's plenty of people that would back that up, but I think that was a big fit uh, going up there and going to a city that I was familiar with in St. Paul and just a university that I knew had a good tradition of football and on a head coach, coach Cruz, that's organized and has everything down to the detail down, you know, to the very minute details. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's a great fit in a transition but it's been pretty seamless other than having to move up there and right. just kind of get that role. I mean, it was all, it was kind of on a whim. So uh, that's all been good. Right. Good. Well, I know you, you and I had had a few conversations about it and, and I was, I was definitely pushing you towards that. Um, you know, the only unfortunate thing right now is you're not going to be able to experience spring ball and, and all that and all that, but you've gotten, you've kind of, I, I know you've sort of dipped your feet into recruiting a little bit and, and how's that been going? Yeah, it's good. I think you hit it on the head. And I listened when you were talking with Tim Shields on his quarantine with coaches, just the biggest transition is there's no teaching. So mm -hmm. all your time that was spent lesson planning at one point is now recruiting or watching film or making sure something on campus gets done or meeting with the boys. So I think that's a, that's a big difference in going from high school to the college game is just a lack of in classroom teaching that you do now the the big part that most people don't realize is how much teaching you actually end up doing in college football be it scheme be it technique oh yeah be it life lessons i mean there's an incredible amount of teaching that's one of the biggest drives for me is that i really enjoy teaching it's just a different type of teaching different type right, of lesson yeah. planning yeah i, th I think i think I, and that's one of the things i tell people a lot when they ask me is that i i didn't want 
I was getting tired of teaching. And, and I think sometimes, like you just said, it's, there is so much teaching. I was getting tired of classroom teaching. I want to be clear about that. I wasn't getting tired of, you know, because football is teaching nonstop. I was getting tired of the classroom and the curriculum and all those things. So uh, when I, when I tell people I was tired of teaching, it was, it was, I, I, I guess I need to be more specific next time. Yeah. I think that's, you know, to that extent too, what you're teaching and to who you're teaching is just totally different clientele. I love my right. time in the classroom and I love that, but there's something to getting in a room with, the group of young men that want to be there doing something they're extremely passionate about that I'm also passionate about that you just can't replicate that, you know, that's living the dream. Right. Absolutely. So, so talking a little bit about high school, you know, one of the things that you and I have a lot of similarities about is, is that we were both head coaches at, at programs that didn't necessarily have a lot of success. And, and, and I kind of wanted to talk to you about that. Um, you know, you were at Fort Atkinson for two years. I know you, on paper, you don't feel like you were a successful coach, but I, I think in, in hearing some of your talks and hearing some of your, your clinic presentations, you, you were very successful. Uh, what, what was one of your greatest challenges while you were at Fort Atkinson and trying to build that program? I mean, there are a number of different things I would say most high school coaches are going to face. I think the one thing is that working with Coach Mahoney, who was a former coach there at Fort Atkinson, who had a good run and I was the athletic director there. I think the biggest thing we had was a vision for where we wanted it to go as a total sports program. I think the the tough part is schools all across America at some point have gone through a rough patch or transition and trying to build something up. And, and I've talked on it before on how do you measure the success of building something? And like you said, does a record indicate anything? No, we're not good record wise. <laughs> But how do you measure things that you, the naked eye again doesn't see? A, you know, building program numbers, revamping facilities, getting your weight room nicer, right. uh, building excitement. I mean, there's a number of different things that I think you can lean on. But I mean, they're all different challenges. Like I said, that most everyone at the high school level is going to face. I just, I think the biggest one is that stuff takes time. Yeah. Um, and trying to explain that to people that you know the vision we had was a five to ten year plan, but in your one and a half going after second season, you get an offer like I got. It's just something that someone else is going to get the benefit of hopefully seeing through and doing an even better job than I did and turning that program to what they, they strive to be and what they want to be. Right. And it's, and it, 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 there are some of those moments I know, I know for my, for myself, uh, I, I turned the program over to, to Derek Doherty at Fort Madison who, who did a great job and they went four and five this past season. And, and you sit there and a lot of kind of in, in regards to college football too, you kind of look at year three as sort of being that make or break year. And, and this would have been year three for, 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 it would have been year three for you upcoming and last year would have been year three for me. So you kind of look and, and say, Oh, Oh boy, I wonder how, what we could have done differently or what, what they're doing differently. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to think about it that way. Right. And that's a, I think the biggest thing I've tried to make clear to people is, you know, nowhere do I say, I did everything right or had all the answers or was perfect about a lot of things. I mean, there's a lot of things I look back on and I think I do differently, but I also think that that is part of the growth of being a better coach is I haven't had an off season yet. And this is even this off season. I have not had an off season in my six years coaching football where I haven't looked at the last one and said, God, I was dumb. Like I was football <laughs> dumb. I've learned so significantly more information like so much more information this off season that yeah. it is only going to grow and this it, every year I say I don't know if it's going to happen like this I don't know if I'll be able to learn as much as I did last season and then I'm sitting here and what are we in March I think yeah and March yeah losing track of months 
sitting in March and I can't believe the amount of just information that I have been able to obtain from various people and just looking back at it and saying, I don't think I really knew anything. I think that's kind of the aha moment for a lot of people, especially young coaches, when you start thinking you know a whole lot and then you get a room with someone that knows a whole lot of information and they start talking right. and you realize, yeah, I got a long ways to go. Right. Well, a lot of that too, and, and I'll kind of give you a shameless plug here, a shameless plug here was you got to learn a lot because you had a great honor this off season. You know, you were named to the AFCA 35 under 35 and, and, and you got, you got to spend a lot of time at that, at that convention with a lot of guys. Um, and, and I know in, in my conversations with you at the convention, you, you kind of said your, your head was swimming a little bit just from all the information you were getting and everything you were learning. But, but that had to have been just an amazing experience. Yeah, and that's, I mean, shameless plug. Anyone that's out there that's looking to help get or better themselves, AFCA 35 or 35 is an unbelievable program. You get to meet some really cool people and make those connections. But, I mean, you, you go and sit in a room with guys that are obviously under the age of 35 and you start looking around and there's the North Dakota States and the Kansases and the Kansas States and the TCUs of the world. And these guys are already there in their profession. And you start realizing how much – you know, how much bigger, how big that gap is between thinking you know something and getting to that t- type of spot. And you look at those guys that are in those types of spots and they're continuing to learn. So it really just pushes you to want to do better and want to continue to grow and make those types of connections. But I mean, that's a, it's a huge thing. And you know that just making those connections and being able yep. to pick people's brains and doing all those types of things and just continuing to grow and attempting never to uh, stay the same. Right. Absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. I've told, I've said a thousand times that the, the day I feel like I've got too much information in my brain as a coach is the day that I, I stopped coaching. Cause, cause I think, you, you know, you're under this, you're kind of cut from the same cloth. You always want to be learning and you're always trying to kind of do different things to learn that next piece of information that'll help you be a better coach. Well, I think there's just so much to learn. Yeah. You don't have to change your whole offense or change the whole defense, but maybe it's how a person looks at a game or how a person motivates a team or buzzword culture, but everyone can always go pick up something on, Hey, that's a good idea that this person does or that team does, but there's just so much that you can learn from so many different people. I think you're really selling yourself short and it's extremely short sighted. If you don't try and look at the longer and say 30 years from now, hopefully I can be in the same spot that some of these guys are. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So kind of kind of trending back towards uh, towards Fort Atkinson a little bit. What obviously when you you know leaving a program like that is is never an easy uh, you know never an easy thing. But what what did you feel like was sort of was starting to trend towards the positive when when you know when you when you left to 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 go to St. Thomas? What did you think that what did you feel like was something that you guys were really doing good that that was was really starting to be. Um, be a positive for the program. Yeah, I, th- I think the one thing that we had changed in 18 months is just your weight room and your just overall attitude towards that, you know, the weight room culture of the program and just athletics as a whole. You know, Coach Mahoney was a huge believer in having all sports teams lift, which was brand new kind of implemented. But it's just a numbers thing. You know, we'd always said we need to get 30 kids a class in a school, a thousand. You want between 15 and 20 percent of your boy population playing at the high school level. And when I had gotten there, we had about 65 total kids in the program. When we left, we had, with the incoming freshmen that were coming in, you're looking right around 85 to 90. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that was the biggest thing, was just vertically aligning that program, trying to get it vertically aligned from the youth levels, you know, 
kindergarten level all the way through graduation is just making sure that everyone's on the same page. And like I said, that takes time and stuff like that always takes time. But that right. was one thing we were really excited is we had a really good sophomore class. So it was going to be juniors. We had a really good freshman class going to be sophomores. So I, there was a lot of different things there that, again, we were getting excited for, but same thing, you know, trying to explain to people why would you leave a situation like that? It's like, you know, sometimes a dream job or dream opportunity right. only comes once. And if you don't jump on it, it might never happen again. So. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That's, that's one of the things that is, people, kids understand sometimes, you know, adults understand a lot easier than kids do, but they, they eventually get over it a little bit and, and they, uh, they eventually move on. So it's, it's, it's a positive thing for you. And, and, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's one of those things that, you, like you said, you never know when the opportunity is going to come around again. Right. So, well, last question I got for you is kind of, I prepped you for it the other day and, and I know you were worried about it, but what, what is your offensive line Mount Rushmore? And, and, and you can give me a group of guys, you can give me individual guys, but, but what's sort of your, your top dudes for, for offensive line? So, as a person, disclaimer, that has never been within 10 yards of any offensive <laughs> line, former quarterback in high school, so kind of there. But there's a, there's a theme I went with, and we'll see if you can get the theme. Okay. So I started, I started Googling individuals. I was like, who do I want on my Mount Rushmore? So here's what I've got. I've got maybe my favorite offensive lineman all time and Randall McDaniel. Nice. We've got Steve Hutchinson. Okay. I've got Larry Allen. Now, Larry Allen's the outlier, and I'll tell you why I love Larry Allen. There's a video out there, and I can't remember who posted it, but there's a video of a defense trying to box counter or power. I can't remember which play against the Cowboys, and they're trying to box it against Larry Allen. And Larry Allen's pulling, and he just absolutely blows up a linebacker. And I said, it's one of my favorite videos I've ever seen on Twitter. Yeah. I got Mick Tinglehoff. Okay. And Ron Yeri. Okay, so you went with Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> I went with the Minnesota Vikings, and I threw Steve Hutchinson. He played on the Vikings as well for a short stint, but he's yep. a Michigan man, big-time yes. Michigan man. So I had to. I went with the trend there of my two favorite football teams outside of the one that I coached for. Those, uh, those are some good, some good names. Though. I mean, you look at you look at a guy like Randall McDaniel, and he was kind of some of the things he was doing back in the day, or or ahead of their time sort of and what he was doing with his stance and what he was doing with, with a lot of, a lot of his, his types of, uh, his types of blocking scheme. So it's, that's a, I can, I can live with that group. That's a good group. I think my favorite thing about Randall McDaniel and you watch his tape, you just, he wasn't a big dude at times, you know, you say no. 276 pounds when he came in to the league, you would say, Oh, that's not a big old lineman by today's standards, but you go watch that play. He's a bad mama Java. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a reason that some of those guys are in the hall of fame and, and uh, I think he's hall of famer, isn't he? He is a hall of yeah. famer. I believe so I do there, believe he is a hall of famer. There's a reason for that. So that's awesome. So, all right, coach, I appreciate you coming on. If you want real quick, kind of drop your Twitter handle and, and anything else you want anybody to know uh, before we get out of here. Yep. So my Twitter handle is at coach Grable. My last name's G R A Y V O L D. Anything you ever need, be it materials or video or play D-bag college so we can talk defensive back play or just anything overall. Don't be afraid. Show me a DM. Hit me up. Let me know what you need. All right, Coach. I appreciate you being on. Yeah, no, I appreciate all you do. And 
like I said, not even an old lineman, but big fan of the hog football chat and kind of the overall thing you do for everyone on Twitter and social media and in person, especially. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Yep. Thank All right, you. We'll see you. Thanks guys. Thanks again for everyone listening. And remember to go check out platform.com for the full series of hog football podcast episodes. We want to thank everybody for their continued support and be on the lookout for our hog football chat series from Twitter on our website, hogfootballchat.net. You can check out all of our great sponsors and tons of awesome conversations from the chat and the podcast.